This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This show is brought to you by Pet King Brands, the makers of Zymox and Oratine. It's Behave with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Is there a veterinarian in the house? Oh, yes, indeed, and not just any veterinarian. She has a lot of Vanna White initials after her name because she is well-schooled in many areas of veterinary medicine, including a veterinary nutrition. Did I say yum? And it's perfect because we're right here in time for the holidays, and our dogs, our cats are sniffing around going, is this a good thing for me to try to eat or not? So we're going to find out. Please give pause and a pause to Dr. Lindsay Boland. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me, Arden. It's truly a pleasure to be here. And I'm so excited to share what knowledge I have with your amazing listeners today. All right. Well, the good doctor is going to help us keep the holidays from turning into the holidays and have a little more jolly than folly, but we have to pay for the show. So you all know the drill. Sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here. Got dog? Of course you do. Our friends at Carlson Pet Products have some great products to keep your dog happy and safe. They have a lineup of decorative and durable doorway gates. Hey, I got two, and I love them. They keep my dogs, Kona and Emma, out of the two rooms where my cat's litter boxes are. My cats are able to slip in and out of the small opening of the gate when needed. I installed these gates in minutes. The gates are easy to use and match my decor. Learn more by dashing over to carlsonpetproducts.com today. You'll be glad you did. Get 25% off your order plus free shipping using the promo code PETLIFE at carlsonpetproducts.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Opie Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I'm super stoked that our guest today is Dr. Lindsay Bolin. She hails from North Carolina. She is on staff at, is it Blue Pearl Veterinary? How would you say all that? That's correct. Yeah. So we recently changed the name from the Veterinary Specialty Hospitals of the Carolinas to Blue Pearl Carry. All right. And folks, she also 
serves on a bunch of veterinary committees, national and local. And uh, she's the proud pet parent to a dog and a cat. And she has two cool kids. She's married. There's all the background information. We're not going to do a deep dive that way. Don't worry. But I first met her when I was doing some assignments for Dogster, Catster, and a, a thing called Vet Scoop. And we got to talking and I'm like, please, please come on the show. So are you ready for the holidays, Dr. Lindsay? Uh, with all of the things in my house that you just mentioned, I am not. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for them to be here because hopefully that's a wonderful time for us to not just pamper our pooches, but also ourselves. But with all the little kids and the animals running around, I, I've got a little bit more planning to do. What about you? Are you ready? Well, we have the Magnificent Seven at our house, one outdoor cat and two dogs and four cats. And we're getting ready. This will air afterwards, but we have 10 people coming for Thanksgiving, all vaccinated and booster shotted. And we have an outdoor area too. So bring it, man, bring it. We're ready to bring it. Let's talk a little bit because food is fuel. And that doesn't matter if you're a human, you meow, you bark. So what got you into the field of veterinary nutrition? Well, since we only have 30 minutes, I uh, will do the quick and dirty. <laughs> but what really, really kind of sparked my passion is that every single case, whether it is a critically ill multi-disease state cat to a brand new puppy and new pet parent, every case is a puzzle. You have yeah. to take into consideration the individual pet. You have to take into consideration the individual and, and very unique needs of the pet parent. And then, you know, combined with comorbidities and communication and, and math Wait a minute, and all you of these had things. Me at what? Comorbidities? Oh, comorbidities. Thank you for, um, for asking. So comorbidities are multiple disease states and, and that oh. is my bread and butter. You know, the really? more diseases a pet has, the better because it's, it's a new and unique puzzle for me, but that's really what drove me to nutrition. I love, first of all, I love to eat. Uh, she does. She looks <laughs> very trim. Everybody. Just <laughs> I also love to exercise probably okay, compulsively. Good. That's but... what's been my motto. I, I <laughs> exercise to eat. Exactly. Right. But, you know, it's one of those things that I think a lot of people take for granted is, you know, we, we eat every day and, and we kind of take for granted that if we don't eat, our bodies can't go. And if we don't eat well, our bodies can't go well. And right. then add in that communication aspect. You've probably gathered from talking to me. I love to talk, but I also really like to listen. And I love to work together with not just, you know, my fellow veterinarians and, and veterinary nurses and, and, and team members, but also my pet parents as a collaborative team. And that is really what drives my passion for nutrition. It's not just the nutrients, not just the ingredients, not just the food. It's the ability to work together and to educate with every single case on so many different platforms. Well, what I, I sense from you is that you were both a student and a veterinarian. You're not happy just with the, a status quo. You are always learning new things. So what is harder to do? Figure out the comorbidity, did I say it right, of a dog or doing a thousand piece puzzle in three hours? Oh, um, honestly, at this point, the thousand piece puzzle. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and truth be told, I actually have the hardest time with normal animals. I really do. Really? The more complicated the case, the easier it is because I can figure out exactly where I want those individual nutrients to be. Um, and it, it makes, you know, the options less and less and less and more tailored. If you have a healthy cat or a dog, 
the possibilities are endless. And that's why it's so important to, you know, be an active listener with the pet parents and figure out what they're actually looking for. What are their short-term goals, their long-term goals? You know, what are their personal opinions on pet foods? (laughs) Um, What are their, (laughs) what are their finances like? Like all of that is really important, but that can be challenging um, for, for healthy animals. So it can be quite a touchy topic. I say that I have to say when I teach my pet first aid classes, I do a little segment about keeping in mind that stress can enter the scene at mealtime and that could lead to digestive upsets, food fights, things like that. But I always say to people, now look, um, I'm non-partisan. I am not going to tell you what food to serve because when you talk about food and you don't have credentials like you do after the end of your name, Dr. Mullen, you could get into a food fight. I mean, what is the deal with us as pet parents that we are so touchy and we know that this is the right food? What's going on in our heads and how can you delicately, diplomatically help guide us to get good food choices for our beautiful dogs and cats? That's multifactorial. So the first thing that we I love need that to keep too. in mind. I know, right? <laughs> the thing that I keep in mind that I, I like to impart on my mentees and my nurses and my customer service representatives as well is that our pet parents, all they want is what's best for their pet. And there are so many things out of our control as people that a lot of times we will latch our, our paws and claws into anything that we can have a little bit of control in. And food is one of those things, uh, or at least we think it is. And so, you know, when it comes to food, that's how a lot of people show their love to their beloved pets. That is in the busy times that we have, it's a quick, quick way to just say, oh, I love you. I don't have time for you right now, but here, have a cookie Um, and also go away because I'm in the middle of a Zoom meeting, you know, whatever it is. I uh, follow that too. I'll go for the cookie. Yeah. I mean, right. Same here. And so, you know, we need to keep in mind that our pet parents always have their pet's best interest at heart, but they might not have the background and the knowledge to make these decisions, you know, to the best of, of, of somebody like Maya's ability. And that's where we come in. What we have to do is remember that we need to be non-judgmental because again, they're just trying to do what's best, what they think is best for their pet and, and educate. So, when we go into the pet store and there's thousands of diets and I even get overwhelmed and it's my job yeah. to know this. I mean, like I walk in and I'm like, nope. And I walk right back out, um, <laughs> you know, or I go straight to the, to the toy aisle. We need to keep in mind that those bags are flashy for a reason. It's all marketing, all marketing. And yeah. so, you know, when there are opinions, it's usually because of really, really good marketing or because of, you know, a, a terrible event that occurred that the pet parent, you know, is kind of latching on to, so to speak. Well, let's go to some basics. Most people are not going to know the caloric input for their dog or cat. So let's keep it simple. I feed seven pets. One's an outdoor cat. So we have two dogs and we have five cats total, but I actually use measuring scoops and I know how many spoonfuls of maybe wet food that Kona, my dog is getting. It can become confusing to us. And we're not sitting there reading the label for, oh my gosh, they need KCAL, this amount. So let's bring it simple. What should be like the first few ingredients that would be good to have on a label? What do you stare clear of? And why is the Cool Whip empty container not a cup? So we'll, we'll start with one at a time. Okay. The first question is probably the most complicated. 
it's important for our pet parents to keep in mind, and they they may have differing opinions from my expert opinion. Yeah, it doesn't matter. She's just board certified in veterinary. Yeah. <laughs> I do have people, what are her credentials? Like, I, I promise I've been in school for a really long time. So the important thing to keep in mind is that ingredients in pet food are there for a reason. It is very expensive to make pet food. And so every single thing that is in that diet has to have a function, whether it is a nutritive function, so supplying calories and nutrients to the pet themselves, or in terms of keeping the product fresh and, you know, making sure that it doesn't become contaminated and, you know, extending the shelf life, things like that. So everything has a function. When I hear the word fillers, that is a term that was created by marketing that does not exist. A filler would be something like cardboard. If I eat cardboard, I get no nutrients from that cardboard. Whoa. When we think of things that pet parents think of as, as fillers, like grains, grains have nutritive properties. Yes. They have a nice carbohydrate starchy interior to provide a you know relatively instant source of energy when their pets are running around. They have essential fatty acids that make you know your kitty's hair coats look beautiful and shiny and fluffy. Sleek and sleek, exactly. They have amino acids, which help build those muscles. And then they have a fibrous outer coating, which helps supply the good bacteria food, which in turn helps GI tract and colon health. So, you know, that is just a marketing ploy. So when I tell pet parents, it's okay to look at ingredients, especially if there's a food allergy or Good. if there's an issue, you know, with um, with family members in the house, like celiac disease, things like that. Of course, you can look at ingredients, but the order of the ingredients is based on weight, and it can be misleading. You know, if whole chicken is listed first. Sure, that's fine. It's a good ingredient, but it's also 80% water, which is why it's listed first. Whereas if you see chicken meal, you know, a little bit farther down the line, again, that's based on weight. Chicken meal is not a bad ingredient. It's dehydrated, it's ground down, but that water component is gone. And then that mechanical processing to make it a fine powder can actually, you know, make it have a slightly higher digestibility because the body has to do less work. So the ingredients don't always tell you the quality of the product itself, which is challenging for a consumer and a pet parent. And I've seen this ingredient splitting. Have you seen this? I have. And that is actually something that is really hard to prove. Let's do corn, like like corn. Yeah. So for your listeners who don't know what ingredient splitting is, basically it's taking a whole ingredient and then to make it look less than what it is in the diet, they actually separate it out into different components. And so if it's done maliciously and with the intent to mislead the consumer, that is not great. Yeah. It is legal, to, you know, to the best of my knowledge, but it, it's not honest. It's not transparent. But ingredient splitting for the sake of making a diet more affordable or, you know, complementing the different ingredients, that would be an appropriate use. So an example, as you said, is corn. So instead of saying whole corn listed as like the first or second ingredient, it might say whole corn is the third, corn meal as the fourth, you know, corn flour as the fifth. And so, so there's a lot of corn type products in there, but it makes it less overall for each individual component. So it allows other favorable ingredients to, you know, go higher on the list because again, it's by weight. 
Wow. So if a company is doing that to be directly misleading, that's not good, that's bad, but it's really hard to prove that. Again, because all of those things have a unique individual nutrient profile and they can actually complement each other. So it's important to talk to, you know, the science uh the scientific service veterinarians and say, "Hey, what are the function of these?" Thank you, know, you. that's and- what I was going to say. We can't put you on speed dial cuz we have half of the <laughs> listeners, Dr. Lindsay. I would love to do that though. That'd yeah. be great. So reading the label is one thing. Is corn okay? Because grain gets kind of a bad rap and you've already addressed that, but I don't think it should be the first ingredient. But I don't know. I don't have that Vanna White initial. People will have different opinions, but it, it can absolutely be the first ingredient because again, we have to keep in mind that those ingredients are listed by weight and there is a water component to whole corn as well. So for example, if you see whole corn listed first and then chicken meal listed second, that chicken meal doesn't have the water. The whole corn does have water in it. Oh. And so it, it can be, again, a, a little visually misleading to the pet parents. Nutritionally, that diet could be just fine. So one of the you know, things that I learned uh, from one of my colleagues and mentors that I love to, you know, spout off as one of my own is that ingredients are just the vehicles for nutrient delivery. And in the right proportions, that is what makes the diet appropriate. And that's what makes the diet complete and balanced. Now, again, we have to remember that every single pet is a unique individual. So it is possible for an individual pet to not tolerate corn or to not tolerate chicken or, you know, so on and so forth. But that doesn't mean the vast majority can't tolerate it. And again, by combining these different types of ingredients together, every single diet that's out there has a unique nutrient profile, which means there's so many options for the unique individuals um, that are our pets. Wow. Choices, choices, choices. Hey, we are speaking to Dr. Lindsay Bowen, and she is talking about food, the facts on food for our dogs, our cats. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to address how we actually measure our meals so we don't have a dog that has more waddle than wiggle. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here. Itch, scratch, rub, chew, repeat. Does that sound like what's happening to your pet? Help is here. Zymox skin and ear care products can help calm and soothe your pet's angry skin or red infected ears. For over 20 years, Zymox products have been helping pets find relief for these conditions. For that itchy pet, Zymox shampoo and leave-on conditioner combines a special blend of ingredients to help moisturize, hydrate, and provide soothing relief. For those hard to treat areas like body folds or the paws, easy to use Zymox topical cream and spray are great options. And for those nasty ears, Zymox ear solution is awesome. And you don't even have to pre-clean the painful ear. No pre-cleaning? Hooray! All Zymox skin and ear products get their effectiveness from enzymes. Zymox contains no antibiotics and no petroleum byproducts. Just the soothing power of enzymes. Zymox can be found at your veterinary clinic, most pet specialty stores, and online. Hey, you can save 20% off any Zymox or Oratine product on Zymox.com by using the code ARDEN20 at checkout. 
That's Arden20. Visit Zymox.com. That's Z-Y-M-O-X.com. More great news. You now can also save 20% off any Zymox ear or skin product on the exclusive deals page on FearFreeHappyHomes.com. Pause up. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, this is Allie Sweeney from Save Our Lives and The Biggest Loser. And you're listening to Arden Moore on The Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Obehave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Hey, you guys, we're in for a treat. Yeah, I just made a food analogy. Yeah, treat, treat. My dog's ears are like, mwonk. Um, that's because we have a very accomplished veterinary nutritionist here on our show, and that is Dr. Lindsay Bolin. So you have a dog, a cat. Let's do a quick 411, a couple of kids. You want to give a shout out to everybody? I would actually. Um, so huge shout out to my husband, Nathan. Without his support through vet school, through my internship, through my residency, through both the boys, through my new jobs, I would not be able to do what I do. So I will share with him the link. He will listen to this eventually. Way but to go, Nathan. Way Love to go, you. Nathan. We do. So married for 11 years, been together for 16. Just couldn't do what I do without you, babe. And I love you. Huge shout out to my boys, five-year-old Arthur, two-year-old Rowan. Rowan's a monster. Arthur's an angel, but we're trying to teach two-year-old Rowan how to develop into that little angel. And then, as you said, I've got four-year-old, four, five-year-old Heidi and 15-year-old Ida and Maya, my kitties. Okay. And Heidi is what kind of dog? She's a boxer German shepherd and she's a lemon. She's got all the things that those dogs have. So we shouldn't free feed. I mean, and we shouldn't just guess how much we're feeding our pet. You can do it easily. I mean, I'm feeding, you know, this magnificent seven twice a day and I'm still not stressed. Can you give us tips on why we really need to have a baseline of what we're feeding? Because you as a veterinarian, isn't that one of the first things you guys ask us? What are you feeding and how much? So let's help our listeners. Well, that's definitely one of the first things that I ask because (laughs) that's what I do is food. However, I think it should be one of the first things that all veterinarians and all veterinary professionals ask. My veterinarian asks me, my general. Yeah. Shout out to Dr. Deborah Charles. Shout out. Woo. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just so important. So it's important as a baseline so that we can say, Hey, is this diet even appropriate, you know, for our beloved patients and for your beloved pets, but as they age, their needs are going to change as well. So it's always a good idea to check in and just say, Hey, it was appropriate last year. Is it still ideal this year? And we have to keep in mind that in addition to different nutrient needs, there's also going to be different calorie needs as our pets age. So for example, I had an, another dog long time ago named Gus, beautiful dog, used to run him six miles a day. And wow. so, yeah, he was, I mean, he was an athlete and he yeah. kept me active because he needed that exercise. His calorie requirements didn't change too much from the time he was a puppy, from the time that he, you know, unfortunately passed away because he maintained that level of activity. Now his nutrient levels did change, but his calorie 
not so much. But that's something that I actively, you know, took a role in. So big important thing for our pet parents to keep in mind, a little extra junk in the trunk is cute, but unfortunately it does negatively impact not only their quality, but also their quantity of life. There've been multiple studies to show that with, you know, additional fat tissue, these pets are living significantly less. And by significantly, I mean, in the span of years. And for, you know, my pets, I would do just about anything to get them to live as long as possible because their nicknames would become Methuselah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that kind of relates to a a, a pretty hallmark study. Can you talk about, you said uh, before we got on the air, you had a favorite study. So I think that might drive home the point you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So the Keeley study is about 20 years old, but it's still a very powerful study. So basically what the study did is take two different groups of Labrador retrievers. One of the groups was fed 25% more than the other group. And the group that was fed 25% less lived on average about three years longer than the group fed 25% more. And again, for Labradors whose average lifespan ideally is in the double digits, but you know, anywhere from 10 to 15, that would be incredible to have extra years, not just an extra month, but even that I would take an extra month, you know, with a beloved pet. And so we have to keep in mind, it's not just the extra weight. Fat is a metabolically active tissue and it tends to be a pro-inflammatory tissue. And so in addition to, you know, a little extra inflammation in the body, you also have extra stress on the joints. You have extra stress on the heart, on the lungs, on the kidneys, on the liver. They're predisposed to diabetes. They're predisposed to skin disorders. They're predisposed to a lot of things that we don't necessarily have time to go through every single one of them, but, you know, there's tens of of diseases that can be negatively impacted by increased weight. So it really behooves us to try to keep our pets nice and lean and to potentially come up with more creative ways to show our love to them. And, and that's not saying you can't do treats. Of course you can do right. treats. Just not. You just all had Kona's, my dog Kona's ears went, what? Sorry, Kona. <laughs> you said treats. So yeah, we do, like you say, can kill them with kindness by overfeeding them. So the holidays are coming. There's lots of food on the table. There's alcoholic drinks on coffee tables. No, no, no. Help us with our pets who smell better than we can do, see, hear everything. And they're, and it's like temptation, temptation, temptation. What are some things we can do during the holidays to keep our pets safe, but also have them have a little jolly? Yeah. So again, it really is going to depend on the individual pet. If you have that three, four foot tall shepherd, great Dane lab thing that can counter surf. It probably is a really good idea to keep them, you know, in another part of the house when you're cooking, especially if they have those beautiful brown puppy dog eyes that are hard to resist, but even more, she actually doesn't counter surf, um, but my old dog Gus, absolutely. Uh, Funny side story. When my husband and I were first together and we adopted Gus, it was over Christmas before we were married. So, you know, we had to separate for the holidays. He had put out a pork tenderloin. He had put out split peas. He had a pound of chocolate covered coffee beans at the back of the counter. And I get a call Christmas Eve and he is like, there is something wrong with our dog. He ate all of these things. And of course me being the vet student burst into tears and said, take him to the ER. Now I called the ER and I was like, they are on their way. And that poor dog, he survived. He did fine, but he had to be hospitalized all day on heart medication, on sedatives, on IV fluids, because he had 
had eaten a pound of chocolate covered espresso beans. He had to, you know, induce emesis, which is vomiting. They had to, you know, pump his stomach, all of these things. And my poor husband, they were like, why did you feed your dog this? He's like, I didn't. It was at the very back of the counter, but that dog could clear a four foot counter if he was motivated enough. And he was. So things to keep in mind, don't just put it at the back of the counter, put it in a cupboard, you know, that they, that they cannot open on their own. If you can't resist, if you're going to be out of the house, keep the pet in a separate part of the house. If they're, you know, if they're good listeners and if you can, you know, kind of, kind of keep it down a notch, then there are things that could be safe to give them. Again, keeping in mind that every single pet is a unique individual. So a little tiny piece of turkey, once it's cooked, ideally before seasoning, of course, they can have a little bite. You know, pieces of um, sweet potato or whipped sweet potato without, you know, garlic and onions, of course, they can have a little bit of a bite. Again, keeping in mind the tolerance to individual ingredients will be based on the individual pet. If you got a dog with food allergies, probably don't give them anything other than their prescribed food. But, you know, even a mini marshmallow here or there that you're going to put on top of your sweet potato pie, that is typically safe to give. You know, carrots are safe to give uh, for the most part. Apples, you know, are going to be safe to give if you're making that apple pie. There's a lot of things we can do to get creative. But when in doubt, strongly recommend you talk with your veterinarian first and just ask, say, hey, this is usually what my Thanksgiving looks like. Can I go ahead and give my pet a piece or here Christmas or there? Or Christmas or Hanukkah. Or, or Christmas or, yeah. or Hanukkah or, or whatever holiday Alanda. that you're celebrating. Exactly. But also keeping in mind that calories are associated with everything right. and gravy might seem really oh. great really high in fat and typically has garlic and onions. And so for those sensitive dogs, you probably want to steer clear of the gravy, especially if they're prone to an inflammation disease called pancreatitis. And that can be anything from a little bit of vomiting and diarrhea all the way to hospitalization. And in some cases it can be lethal. So we we really want to make sure that the treats are going to be safe, that you talk to your vet. I want to talk about pancreatitis because when I teach my pet first aid classes, this is my description of pancreatitis. I'm not a vet. I don't play one on TV. I say it's like someone just punched you hard in the gut and lit it on fire. Yeah, I am a vet. And I wish I played one on TV. Uh, you will someday. You will. I would love that. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. You'd be great. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's an awesome description. So the pancreas is, you know, kind of uh, attached and outlined on, on the stomach. It's really important for the digestion of certain nutrients. But when it is inflamed, it's like getting punched in the gut and everything in the abdomen is on fire, essentially. Wow. So they're going to be vomiting, they're going to be nauseous, uh, they're going to have diarrhea. Uh, and with severe vomiting, diarrhea, they're going to become dehydrated. And when the GI tract is angry and inflamed, it becomes kind of leaky and the cells that line the GI tract become, you know, loose. And so bacteria and food particles, we call them antigens, but food antigens can kind of get through and make the body even more inflammatory. So once it gets started, it can be self-potentiating. It's a really, really hard disease to get under control. And so, you know, again, got to be it's really, safe, really cautious. Preventive. Yeah. The other one that uh, maybe you can address too, because some people we like to bake yesterday, humbly, I just made some energy balls, which have the peanut butter, cashews, cranberries, and rolled oats or whatever, and honey, you know, so one a day, I'm going to have it during the afternoon as my energy thing. So that's, that seems to be low carb, low sugar. But what about the dough that's on the counter? I understand there's a couple of whammies. I mean, obviously it's rising, but there's, alcohol too. 
Yeah. So it depends on what type of bread. Typically when we use leavening agents or, or yeast, if the pet eats it before it's really, you know, rose and I'm not a baker, so sorry <laughs> if it's, till it's risen. Um, it is just risen. Yes, exactly. Um, that can be very, very problematic because it's just going to continue to expand in the stomach. Um, and it is fermenting essentially. So again, if you're letting dough rise, you want to make sure that you're putting it either in the oven and obviously like not on because you're trying to get it to rise, but not bake yet, yeah. or, you know, covered it in the microwave or again, you know, so far in the back with so many barriers that the pet can't get at it. But it's one of those things where, especially since I've got two kids in the house, I just put it like out of sight, out of mind. Everything goes into the microwave, um, which is elevated and none of my kids can reach it. My Good. animals don't have opposable thumbs. <laughs> you know? yeah. So so that's kind of my like secret storage area or on top of the refrigerator, you know, because, well, my five-year-old could probably get it, but he's, like I said, he's a very good listener. So he doesn't typically crawl on the counter unless I tell him he can. So even if we don't think our pets can do it, again, the first time I saw my old shepherd on the counter and it's a four foot counter, I was shocked. And I took a picture. I think I, I might've sent it to you. And if I didn't, I'll get it, yeah. it to you. Okay. Took a picture and then told him to get his cute little butt down. Uh, Cause he knew he wasn't supposed to be on there, but these animals can do amazing things when motivated enough and delicious smells from our holiday meals will get them motivated and they will get creative. All right. And I understand that the nose of a dog or a cat, I like to say that you could drop a Cheeto in a pool and they could smell it. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. So keep in mind that my nose has been in poopy diapers for the last five-ish years. <laughs> I'm so glad mine has not. Okay. Know, right? For the listeners, my five-year-old is absolutely potty trained, but basically he went out of diapers as soon as we had the second one. Right. Um, yeah. So, so we, we haven't concurrent. had a break in diapers. Right. It's, it's, it's concurrent. Is that it's the right concurrent. term? Exactly. So my sense of smell is terrible, but my animal sense of smell is pretty incredible. Um, and we, you know, keep in mind that as our pets age, their sense of smell smell does decline a little bit, but it's still going to be more powerful than ours. And so, yeah, you know, if, if, again, if you're cooking, if you're baking, if there's anything you don't want them to get into, keep it out of the way. Cause as soon as you open that refrigerator, they're probably going to hear it. They're going to come running. As soon as you take that roast or whatever it may be out of the oven, they are going to smell it and they're going to come running. And that's actually another kind of important thing. We talk a lot about avoiding food, but just kitchen safety in general. Right. Yes. If, you know, your pets aren't used to you cooking in the oven a lot, keep in mind that they could be just around the corner, just like the kids. And so before I ever open the oven, I always do a quick little back check, you know, keep my hand out while I take things out to keep my dog back and to keep my two kids back. And, you know, if you're ever in the neighborhood, you'll hear mama shout, everybody out of the kitchen, (laughs) you know, mama's opening the oven. (laughs) So, (laughs) well, no, what? No, that's, that's good. We don't want to spend the holidays at an emergency veterinary clinic. Right. No, we, we don't. There's a lot of places that we should spend it. And in an emergency room is not one of those places. But the good news is if you do need a veterinarian, there's a bunch of amazing emergency rooms and a bunch of amazing individuals that are staffing them so that they are available for your needs. So before we wrap this up, what's a wish you'd like to give for the holidays to all of our listeners and their four-legged buddies or those with tripods? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I wish for everybody to have a wonderful, happy, healthy holiday season and to have it roll into an amazing new year. You know, the past couple of years yeah. have been so incredibly challenging for everybody. And we just need a little bit more love and a little bit more patience in the world. And really we need more love and patience for ourselves. So I hope that this holiday season and this new year, everybody takes the time to be good to themselves, to be good to those they love and to be good to those they don't know and may not love. And to take a little bit more time with your pets, maybe not always in the form of food, but take them on an extra walk, really try to work on, on keeping ourselves and our beloved pets happy and healthy. I love that. Hey, everyone, we're speaking with Dr. Lindsay Bowen. Check her out. She is in North Carolina. She works at the Blue Pearl Veterinary Hospital. It's in Cary, C-A-R-Y, North Carolina. Where is that in relation to the research triangle? Super close. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Raleigh, Durham, Cary, all little tiny triangle are about 10 miles from everything. <laughs> well, we here at Pet Life Radio, we're wishing you a happy holidays with you and your husband, Nathan. We said his name again. And sons, Arthur and Rowan, cool dog, Heidi, cool cats, Ida and Maya. Did I do it? You got it. Okay. All right, everybody. We also want to do a shout out to my producer, Mark Winter. He is the surgeon of sound, the wizard of pause. He and I have been uh, on this network, Pet Life Radio, since 2007. We are the longest continuously running pet podcast on the planet. And he's probably laughing because I'm not popping a single pee. Uh, so there we go. And uh, please check out all the other shows on Pet Life Radio. Go to Ardenmore.com uh, if you'd like to learn about more what I'm doing. And until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave! Coast to coast and around the world, it's Oh, Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.